Welcome to Backstory, the American History Podcast. I'm Brian Ballow. I'm Joanne Freeman. And I'm Ed Ayers. If you're new to the podcast, Joanne, Ed, our colleague Nathan Connolly, and I are all historians. Each week, we explore the history of a topic that's been in the news. Farmville, Virginia is just about an hour south of our studio here in Charlottesville. And in 1951, Farmville became the epicenter of the desegregation movement in America. But this movement didn't start in a church or a lunch counter. It was started at a high school by a 16-year-old girl. Robert Russell Moton High School was built for African-American students in Prince Edward County. It was one of only 12 black high schools in rural Virginia. The school had no plumbing and was heated by wood stoves. No gymnasium, athletic field, or cafeteria. Tar paper buildings were constructed to alleviate overcrowding. And some students took classes in an abandoned school bus. Farmville High, the white high school in town, looked a heck of a lot better by comparison. For instance, they had uh, 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 a modern science lab. We did not. We had just one microscope for, what, 400 and some students? This is Reverend Samuel Williams, who was a student at Moton High. They had uh, first aid room, teacher's lounge. We didn't have any of that. Athletically, we received their hand-me-down football clothes. Athletically, when we had to prep, play football, our coach would get together with the white coach to let us go over and practice the night before the game so that we could get accustomed to practice, to playing at night. We didn't have lights on our field. On April 23, 1951, Moton High students gathered for a morning assembly. Here's Joy Cabarrus Speaks, a Moton student at the time. We thought that it was just the principal calling us in for the usual uh, assembly, uh, something that he had to discuss. But when we got into the auditorium, all of us, and the curtain opened, there was Barbara Johns along with the others, uh, Carrie Stokes, uh, John Stokes, and others that were on the committee. Barbara Johns, that 16-year-old we mentioned earlier, had taken it upon herself to do something about Moton. This is a meeting for the students to talk about the bad conditions here at Robert R. Moton High School. I ask that all the teachers please leave before we begin. No, none of the students or the bulk of the students did not know. They were not aware of really what was transpiring in the auditorium at that time. It was done in such fashion that the principal, uh, Mr. Jones, uh, was tricked to go downtown to check on some students. He had received a call that things were disordered there. And that was how the internal committee structured things in order to get him out of the auditorium. For too long, we have quietly accepted the hand-me-downs that end up in the school. I say, no longer. There are some who tell us that we should be content with what we have, that someday in the future, things will be better. When will that day happen? Barbara Johns and a small committee of friends led their fellow students to walk out of Moton High and strike against the substandard conditions of the school. 
And they did a number of things. They picketed houses of school board members with placards that read, we want a new school or none at all, and down with tar paper shacks. They met with the school superintendent, who told them nothing could be done until they went back to class. The students refused, and parents weren't sure what to make of it. There was a lot of ambivalence, immediate ambivalence, among the parents and other relatives in the community. For instance, we went from one extreme to the other. Go back to school. You don't have what, uh, uh, you may not have what, the state of the art equipment as to what white people have or in the white high school. But I didn't have that when I attended school. Go back. The day of the strike, when I went home, uh, and really that day, I was more fearful of what my grandparents were going to say than I was on any other repercussions at the time. But when I got home, my grandmother, who was a teacher also, she said she did not think it was right. Then there were others who said, no, no, you stand your ground, protest, develop dog uh, determination. And then there were some who wavered in between until they began to grasp the meaning and get a firm grip on what we were doing. The parents had been fighting for these, for a better school for a long time, and they didn't get it. So the uh, children just got ahead of them and were able to put it into motion. The Moton High students stayed on strike for nearly two weeks, but it was two years until they were able to move into a building with facilities equal to the white school. With help from the NAACP, the Moton strike resulted in a court case that became part of Brown v. Board of Education, the Supreme Court decision that mandated desegregation of public schools. As for Barbara Johns, well, her life was never the same. She left Farmville shortly after the strike. Because they feared for her life, because of the threats on her life. But the thing is that anything that you do, you have to make a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice for everything that you can do that you achieve something from. We wanted so much here and had so little. Here's Barbara Johns in a rare television interview. And we had uh, talents and abilities here that weren't really being realized. And I thought that was a tragic shame. And that's uh, basically what uh, motivated me to want to see some change take place here. And what she did will show a young person, a young man, a young woman, that they can change government. Whatever they feel that's unfair or should be different, they can make a difference in this world and in this nation. All they have to do is stand for what they feel should be changed. 